Out From Work Podcast. My name's Dave Swillam. Let's get ready to hustle. Welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. This is your host, Dave Swillam. This is where we get to work, making work a passion, living, creative, full-time. If you're new to the show, this is where we interview artists, entrepreneurs, creatives, and people going after what they want to do in a real way, do what we want to do. So that's what we're about here. So on the show, another interview today. And it's funny because... I think this is on me, Marcy. I did something crazy where I'm like just getting better into systems right now and making my life more feasible for living. And so I started <laughs> doing some Calendly stuff and things to book people earlier. But I, I thought that I had Marcy on like a month ago. And in real life, I did not have her <laughs> booked. So the anticipation has been bubbling, Marcy. I have gathered anticipation for this, but it lined up perfect because... I found out that Marcy was also on Max's show, which he was on as a guest earlier. I'll put a link to that episode with Max, but I found out she was on his show. And then you're right after when these podcasts are coming out, another author that was local to this main Portland area that I just interviewed on on his episode before it. So it's kind of cool that yours is after it with some of the content that we're going to get in today. So on the podcast coming from the West Coast here, I've got Marcy Pusey, who is an author. She's a speaker and a story coach, two times TEDx speaker, which I watched a couple of those, Marcy, and you killed it on those talks. They were so at it. And I got her bio and I basically told her that I'm going to, like everyone, I usually have them go through their own thing. But definitely with hers, there were so many different things. And a lot of them were like funky just things I would not have known at all, like in any way. And I was like, all right, I'm going to let Marcy give us the rundown here past what I'm capable of doing. So Marcy, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us from the West Coast. And you know, like for people that don't know Marcy Pusey yet and some of the things that you're up to, do you want to just run us through a little bit of who you are and how did we get here with all of these things? Yeah, (laughs) I will. So... (laughs) October 17th, many years ago, a young girl was born. That was me. Now you know my birthday's coming up. Okay, yeah, far, I, far away. Exactly, far, far away. I was born to a very low-income family. There were times when my mom was a single parent and food stamps, welfare, didn't have really a clear sense of what could be the possibilities, right? And real early on, I just took on a sense of responsibility for caring for my mom and then my sister who came five years later. And of course, as a kid, I didn't realize that, but I just didn't want to be a burden to my family. I didn't want to add to the weight of what my parents were dealing with and my mom was dealing with. And so naturally grew up and became a therapist. (laughs) And we say in the therapy world and social services that a lot of us end up there to work out our own stuff. So that then we can go help wow. other people. And I've always laughed about that because not going to lie, I had some things I could work out. That makes um, sense but, though. Not yeah. to break you at oh, all, absolutely. but like, I think about anything. Like I think of, we've had a lot of people in here from the recovery community. A lot of people who yes. are supporting yep. people who need to recover have recovered themselves. A lot of people yes. who are musicians that are speaking lyrics and things about emotional things that we all 
feel, it's because they've experienced the same thing that we are. It makes yeah. all the sense. You do, you do, yeah. and you work in the world that you know, and that's how you can be the best thing that you can be at it, right? Yeah. Good, good 100%. for you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's so, so real. The need, well, I remember being in my abnormal psych class and the professor saying, okay, listen, all of you will find yourselves somewhere in this textbook. Like don't self-diagnose <laughs> like normal humanity that might look familiar inside some of the abnormal diagnoses. And oh man, that was so good to have. Cause sure enough, we're reading it. And we're like, oh my gosh, I'm, oh my God. <laughs> I'm the, this thing, this thing, this thing. It's like a doctor learning medicine. It's like, oh my God, that could be my thing on my that arm right now. Or like, like whatever. And you just keep going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's the path I took. But having watched one of my TEDx talks, you'll have heard the story of writing a story that won a contest very young and being able to treat my family to a circus because I wrote something that, that won the tickets. And I mentioned my family being low income. So mm. that was a really big deal. I mean, McDonald's was like the monthly reward if I did all my chores <laughs> for the circus, you know, was such a huge thing. But yeah. I didn't know or have the resources. And then the world was different then to, to know that I could grow up and use those words to help people. I just, I didn't know, right? So I followed the path that sort of showed up on the tests I took. What age were you at that point? What time was I that? I was about, I was probably seven or eight. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And it was just like a, for the Boys and Girls Club, a persuasive essay. They had us all like, tell us why you should win the tickets. And I wish I had that letter because it's so, it marked me to win as a result of writing something. But then no one was there to say like, did you know you could do this for a living when you grow up? Yeah. So I, so I didn't for, for a long, long time. And I sort of fell into it. But I think in the right time in history as well, right? Because for a very, very long time, we've had strong gatekeepers around whose mm. stories can reach any audience specifically through books or stages or whatever it might be. And with all of the technology and self-publishing and podcasting, like yeah. the gates are open for people yeah. with messages to be heard. And so right about the time I realized, man, this is really something I want to do with my life. To your point, I've been through so many things that I think would help people in a way that I didn't have help for. Yes. Where are the outlets that I can begin to get those stories out there? And so yeah. now today, I'm a story coach, like you mentioned. I help people publish and get their books onto shelves and through Amazon. And I help speakers get on stages. I help people with podcast interviews oh, um, yeah. as a result of, of having such a passion around the importance of each of our stories, having a place in the world and the ways that they can help others. Again, in the ways that I didn't always have. But sometimes in the ways I did have that were so good that I want others to experience that too. So that that brings me to today, having left the traditional workforce, running my own business yeah. as a story coach. As Congratulations. A, thank you. Yeah, it's that terrifying, like I'm on the edge of my seat, exciting, thrilling, terrifying, like I'm going to pay the bills and I love what I do. And oh my gosh, <laughs> what am I doing? And those two together, how awesome is that, right? Absolutely. To do something that I love so much to get to help people. So I've been able to put my own books out. I've got 18 plus books. I get my stories out, but now I feel like I've been able to step into a space where I can further the impact I get to be part of through other people's mm. stories. So I get to support other people, get theirs into the world. And I, I just, I will die so satisfied whenever that day comes because <laughs> I feel like that's been so life-giving to know that I can be part of people getting their messages out in a world where that hasn't been possible. Wow. Or even now, maybe they don't have the logistics or the mindset yeah. encouragement that they need to overcome the hurdles that, that come up. And that so I get to lot, step into that. Right? That's so big. a lot. That one. 
Really? Yeah. And it's redundant too. And I think, unfortunately, it's baked into human behavior. I think that that will, it's always going to be one person that we have to pump up and get over that lip, you know, over that edge to, to get there, yeah, you know, as time sure. goes. Yeah. Hell yeah. Wow. So there are multiple things through what you just said that I want to go into. There's so many things from your background that I want to talk about and kind of pull out. One thing I, I really am interested in before I forget it, because it wasn't something that was an initial thought before we started tonight, like some other things that I knew that I wanted to tackle with you was just you bringing up that you, you, know, you were an author, you have 18 books under your belt, you wrote all those, but now your satisfaction or your happiness or creativity or all these things have been elevated since you're helping other people do that even to a larger point than you thought before. And I think that that's really interesting and why I like having different types of creatives on this show because I myself, I'm an audio producer and it's like that role is the same right now. It's like I write my own music. I get satisfaction and love writing my own music and I work on it and that needs to be a part of me. But I also more often than not am working on other people's music where they may never, people may never even know that I was involved or even a part of it unless they're like a music nerd and they're looking up credits of things of like, who did this thing? I love that. Like I am, but not many people are like weird like that. But I love, I love being able to multiple times a day or multiple times a week have a little bit of an impact on another creator out there that may or may not have been able to get to that spot. Or maybe just like you're saying, it's it's the same things. Sometimes I'll run into a musician that has the nastiest, most amazing song I've ever heard. And they're just confidence-wise, just not getting it. And I have to be a little bit of a cheerleader in the production. I'm not even doing as much. I'm just like, you got this. You're so damn good that if we just record this right now, that is automatically good. Or sometimes it's the logistics of like, I just am overwhelmed or there are things that I just don't know what to do yet. And it'd be easier to get someone to get me going or whatever. But I love that parallel. What do you think that, you know, you found between the two of like, you know, you were an author first, you went through all of these pieces, then going to these like little micro touch points to help other creatives. What are you seeing between those two different worlds? And I guess, why is that such like a satisfactory thing to this new role here? Yeah, that's a great question. I think probably the thread is that even when I chose to write and publish or speak or whatever, it was still with the motive of helping people in ways that I... Again, wish I'd been helped. So we were foster adopt parents and that was really hard. And nobody was talking about that being hard. And so my first book was like, Hey, anyone else think this is hard? And it really, (laughs) it took off because I was one of the first people to just say it. And then not just say it, but then offer like, so then why are we doing it? Why are we doing it if it's hard? And how do we build community around it and have better expectations? Mm. So you don't have all of this turnaround of people who thought it was going to be a rescue mission. And instead you feel like you're dying and you're still trying to get these kids raised, right? That's just one example. But I think it was just so much around my heart to be, man, how can I help other people? I want to add value to my own pain, right? Like pain that's just pain for its own sake is so awful. Like I hate that. Enneagram nine, don't want conflict, don't want pain. But if I can channel that into something valuable for other people that works for me to be satisfying, then that's good enough. But then when I learned that I could help people do the same thing, and I love how you said elevate, Mm. like elevating the impact through helping other people. It just supported my heart already for people and to see them feeling like what you said, feeling valued, knowing that they matter, knowing they have a place because 
so many of our hard stories, I think we end up with a lot of self-criticism and shame and judgment. Or if we don't deal with that, we're turning it outward and Mm, putting that on other people. Whereas if we can just know that it's okay to be messy humans on a journey and develop some understanding around ourselves and the people around us, like we can show up so much healthier. And so that's the thread between the two. I think that's how I straddle them both is they feel the same to me, except that now I get to help other people get their messages out, the messages that matter to them. And it's not just limited to my own life experiences that I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. It's like, you know how I think of it is like, and you talked about earlier between like some different mediums and like ways, like when you're taking your message or your stories or the challenges that you had. And then like, how do I like get these out there too? Right. Like, mm-hmm. like yep. in the, yep. this is my content that is a helpful thing because it is something that someone can relate to, or yep. I've gotten past something that someone, you know, five years, 10 years ago, me is dealing with right now. And I want to get this to them. I think of it as like a circuit board runner who's like putting things to different like radio towers. It's like, what things can I use to like have the most broadcast? And it's like, you can take your creative, whether it's writing, you're speaking, your podcast or or whatever you're doing. And if that message is helpful, you can broadcast that out from a tower and try to hit people and and try to impact them that way. Or you can run during the day and it's like, you're not on that huge tower out like this, but you're, you're buying everyone in that Dunkin' Donuts line, or I know you're West coast, everyone in that Starbucks (laughs) line. (laughs) All right. You know, and, um, are you buying everyone their coffee and did they go out and do something awesome yeah. that impacts people yeah. that day? Both of those are broadcast towers. They're both yeah. doing things that are creating a, a louder effect than just staying quiet and to yourself, yeah. but they're doing it in different ways of like, here's the story. And this is a way that you can either self-educate or yeah. earn confidence or learn. And I'm going to get this in front of you somehow, yeah. or here's a direct thing, just me and you in this room. But like, because of this, now you're going to go create all this amazing shit out there. And that's that I totally get with you. It's so cool to like, maybe, you know, you only did that one project, that person, but then you see like artifacts of that baked into them that then all of a sudden they yeah. are just creating shit that you were never, ever a part of at all. And it was just yeah. little yeah. artifacts that were baked in that now they're doing stuff and they're helping people. And that's, that's what's awesome about so many people in the show and, and people in these communities is just, I think for the most part, Anyone who's trying to create something, it's usually not because they're trying to to hurt other people. If they're trying right. to be creative, it's you know at the bare minimum just trying to help themselves because it yeah. articulates something that they're having a hard time with. So I love that. Yeah, I love that too. I love that you're using broadcast because that gives me such a different visual for it. I often think of it as a lighthouse, sort okay. of like I can shine from my little tower, but if I can go light other lighthouses or help them light themselves, like Whoa. then we get to see that light expand. But I love adding to that the broadcasting because one of the things that means so much to me too isn't just that we're putting messages out into the world, but that we're making them accessible. We can put a million books into the world, but all of the illiterate children in the world will never mm. be able to access the story of that book. Yeah. And so I love to champion what you're doing, which is so so audio, right? Like how can we broadcast in ways that everyone has an opportunity to access story. Again, another TEDx talk is on that. The way our brain engages story, right? Like we actually make a neurological impact on people when we share story, especially when it's good story, quality story, which they talk a lot about. But being able to use our various platforms and that that we can each run our own lane. We don't all have to like put it out in every possible way, but that we're championing the various platforms that are out there. And then I love the entrepreneur community that we support yeah. each other. In that. Oh. Like we can partner up and refer to each other and build each other's businesses up. And then I've got a hand yep. in your broadcast 
through this audio platform and you have a hand in mine and we're just, well, I just, then I geek out and I'm like, we're changing the world. Totally. <laughs> we're changing the world. Yeah, totally. That's how it happens. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I'm I'm a very visual person. If you if you want to ask anyone, ask my wife because we work on like a bunch of like real estate interior design. Like we change up a bunch of spaces and like I'm really bad about like when we're trying to make difficult decisions about things. She can do it without seeing things. I can <laughs> and I'll stop it. We'll be sitting in our our wherever. I'll be like, let's go into the space. You know, like I have to go in there and be like what is this? Like put the color on something or buy like a little piece of something or whatever. Like I have to do that. And once that's there, I can make the decision like that right away, immediately. No problem. But I have to like, think about things through like, what would that look like? Just like you're, and that's brings you right into this other thing that I want to talk about too, because you are a story coach and that's telling the story for me, visualization Mm -hmm. to see something. That's the story that I need to relate to it. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I got it. I saw on your TEDx talk, and I know that I've heard you talk in other areas of using story as a form of education and communication earlier in children's lives to learn and to express themselves. Do you want to speak a little bit about what does a story have as a place in our Mm -hmm. culture, in our Mm -hmm. education, in terms of what does that mean for people as a story coach, as someone that speaks on that? I love that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is the fun part about how we might take, we might choose a path in life and later look back and think, man, I wish I had known about a different path. And yet the one we've been on is still purpose. There's still purpose for it. And it's still used. And I say that because my therapeutic background has so much informed my ability as a story coach to show up with that trauma sensitivity. I am trauma and resilience certified as well, but it just allows me to step into those with with the brain awareness that other people might not bring to stories. And yet Mm -hmm. it's constantly in motion. So the thing that I love about that sharing about the brain is that it lights up when they've done brain scans, it lights up almost a hundred percent when it's receiving story, Mm. when it's receiving facts and data and information, only a really small fraction of it lights up at all. Mm. It's like seven to 11%. I think it is. And that is really just short-term memory and then filed away, right? So that's why there's yeah. that statistic about how we remember, I think also maybe 7% is just the number for me today, but like it's such a fraction of what we hear in a slideshow presentation, right? Or some kind of... It's a bad number. Info Trump. It's a bad number. We don't like it's it. We don't want that. <laughs> we don't want that number. The story lights up the whole brain. And what they've noticed is that when every human brain receives stories, your brain will immediately begin to release the feel-good chemicals, the dopamine and the other ones, adrenaline even, because your brain wants wants you to pay attention in the event that that story has something that it needs mm. for the survival toolbox. Because your brain is only about keeping you alive. And so it's right. always looking for connections in the world, patterns, like how can I bring all this, this awareness to some conclusion so that I can keep myself alive? Yeah, and so yeah. when we're taking in story, it's, trying to pique your interest with the release of all those chemicals to get you to pay attention. And then the other really fascinating part is that your brain is lighting up in such a way as if you're experiencing the story that you're receiving. So when we talk about kids being resilient, they're really not. I try to debunk that that myth. And that's probably pretty controversial. But I think it's a cop out, actually, to say that kids are so resilient because... Mm. We, we adults are trying to keep our heads above water and it makes us feel better to think, well, like, at least while I'm struggling, they're so resilient. Right. When they're not, I think they're just, they're flexible. 
they're adaptable, but there's consequences because resilience is based on having life it experience. It has an impact. It's still, yeah. It like has in, an the situation, in the situation, if you wanted to explain it in that situation, you could say yes. maybe situationally they're resilient because it started raining out. I brought them to the movies and they were just pumped up and like, you know, they didn't care, yeah. whatever. They were just like, Hey, yeah. whatever. But like, if it's a, a lasting impression then that's not resilience because resilience that would still end up being deflected in some way. And it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm doing my thing. Like you're doing your thing. I've lived long enough to know that like, I'm doing my thing. I'm not listening to, I'm staying right in my own lane here. It's like, yeah, yeah. But maybe they're resilient for the moment if you want to play that, but resilient long-term, maybe not like that could yeah. make a true impression on everything of this little strain or thread that pulls out of this person forever. Absolutely. Right? Totally. And the reality is it does, it does show up like resilience, but it's just survival. It's the brain being triggered into a survival mechanism and kids are doing what they need to do to stay alive. And it looks like mm. resilience, but resilience is based on life experience, having experienced something hard, learning from it and entering the next hard experience better. Well, they, wow. don't, they don't have that life experience. They can't yeah. do that. So yeah. this is where to your question, like how does story impact children? I mean, this is all of us because of the brain. It's just all of us but for children when we know that we can actually give them their brain a sense of life experience through the stories we tell. So we can begin to develop a resilience in them without them actually having to live the hard things that they're receiving through oh, story. Cause they're, cause you're saying that notion of experiencing the story, having some of the same neural neurological responses in the way that we feel through that story and can, can create empathy to it. That yeah this is creating little like, you know, like someone's allergic and they're, you're giving them little bits of the local honey. It's like you're giving the little, little local honey when they start out young of like some stuff that could really go down to build a, Hey, I haven't been this through this before, but I remember that story, this thing yeah. happened and like this guy or girl got through this thing and they're like, okay, a little bit yep. of honey there. Right. Yeah. So they don't have to be bullied their whole life to know how to handle a bully. If we're giving them stories that show really good examples of kids, overcoming bullying situations. And when they get yeah. to receive that story, it begins to integrate in them as life experience. And then should they come across that experience, they are going to be more capable, more equipped of handling it because their brain feels like they've experienced it. They took the lessons that, that they needed to away from that story and have integrated it into their toolbox. And this is for all of us. So then I also, I won't go into this deeply, but I begin to talk about stewardship of story. If we know that the stories we put into the world have that level of impact on the human brain, we have a tremendous amount of responsibility with those stories. What kinds are we putting out there? Are we building people up and developing resilience? Are we creating, you know, groups of behavior that actually yeah. tear yeah. down society and culture? Like, what are we doing with our stories? And I have a high call for like, let's be good stewards of that. I love that. Yeah. And you know what? I also, I have to be so careful because like, I, I love human behavior in all aspects, way outside of anything that would be actually usable content for this show. But I, <laughs> I love jumping right into that rabbit hole. So I have to be careful, but like you have these heard, you know, and when you're yeah. talking about the way that we use these stories to build resilience, first of all, love that. And like with no background in psych, I don't have your, your background at all. I I've studied music, you know, and I, I did get like an MBA and I love business and business is how people work. And I love that. But Without a background like yours, that still just makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And mm -hmm. if you look at so many different pieces that work in our world, right? Like, let's just take marketing, right? Because once again, marketing is coming down to how do we sell things and link them up to humans 
the way that yeah. you do that is studying human behavior with how it links to a product and showing them that there's value to the right group of people, right? It's all the same yeah. stuff. When you look at marketing, everything is about the story. What is that person doing during the day? And all of a sudden this makes a pain point where they're like, oh, I need that. You know what I, I need that. Yeah. And they, if you're just like, here's a glass of water, you should buy water. They're like, I'm fine with that. You know what I mean? But when they tell the story of like, you're out hiking, it's super inconvenient that you're doing this thing. And then all of a sudden this happens. They're like, I hike. I do stuff like this all the time. And then like that story is what makes them pay attention to it or not. Right. And then I think about what you said on the reverse of it, when you're talking about how information's not lighting up people, when you just put it out as information and the story does. And I think about our education system and I think about how I didn't become interested in math. And I'll say that until I got pretty much out of college and I started working on my own business and things. And it was like, oh, I need to look at like how I'm making money, how I'm spending it, how my clients are, how what I give to them gives value to like how this interacts and how, how all of this is interacting. So I took seven accounting courses in my MBA and I wanted to cry. You know, first of all, no hate to accounts out there. You're so needed in society. I love you to death. You know, but like talking about these things, the story is what got me to be interactive with her. I'm like, okay, like, let's think about the real life situation. Like, where is this happening? Wherever I couldn't find that, wherever I was like with what was being taught to me, didn't have a situation that it was applicable in the world that I saw. I was like, I'm all set. I'm going to just pass this class, but like, I'm good. Like, I don't think that this is actually helpful for me. I want the story of how is this happening with alignment with human beings? And how can I understand that versus here's some information. This is a thing. It's like, well, I can memorize the date of this thing in history and it could have relevance or it could not. But does the story there, is this when something happened that affects my entire life? All right, that's important. I want to know that. But if it's just like, you need to memorize this thing for a quiz, then it's like, then what are we doing to help? What is that really helping people with? And that's just a blanket statement, I guess. Nothing to... It's perfect because we're talking about story, but like if I'm to to define it, like what makes the story good? It's that it's the human connection that gets to happen. It's the emotional engagement. So it is the tension in a story. It is the risk or whatever's at stake. So it's following almost that really traditional plot line of like, you've got a hero on a path who who gets slapped with an obstacle. What are they going to do? Your brain is like, I don't know. What are they going to do? I might need it. I might need to know so that when I'm in that situation, I know what to do. It's not just, that sort of quiet, like, let's take a nap story. It's really those stories that are full of human experience that gets the recipient of story cheering for the hero, right? Or cheering for somebody or, or just emotionally engaged in it so that it becomes part of this actual physical experience. And right. I think you'd agree that we've seen a shift in buyers, let's say, from, man, I want to know the person has all the degrees and all of the credibility and all of the, the knowledge to help me to, I almost don't care what you have behind your name, but do you understand me? Do you see me? Have you ever experienced anything like me so that you can help me take the next steps? And I think that's just the result of having been fed for so long, this fact, and we're hungry for that. Mm. Am I alone? Does anyone out there get me and who can help me? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Really quick. I mean, I've said it on this show a bunch of people who are listening to the show actively know exactly what the show is about. But like what you're saying is very true where I started this podcast because I felt like I was alone and I just wouldn't have that crew around me of other people doing the thing. And I was like, I'm going to talk to a microphone in my room by myself because I need to talk about 
what I'm running into because I I don't know who to talk to. And then all of a sudden, everyone's there. You know what I mean? And it's all yeah. by like telling your story and then hearing other people's stories. Yeah. You know, you know, and real quick, I see yeah. T. Young writes, yes, music is powerful. Yes, you said music will help with resilience too. And mm-hmm. I million percent, I mean, that's what is my resilience is straight up music. That's like, I put these headphones on, I can attack the world, you know? So yeah. Well, that's another platform for a story, right? When we hear story, we often think like, what has to be written and published? Or it has to be just from a stage and it it follows a certain path. But but story can be put out visually. I mean, you think of actors, both with Mm. vocals and without. Like there's, your body can tell a story. The music can tell a story. And I didn't even get into like the healing work that happens for the storyteller, which I think we get to see, right? Like not only are we impacting the people around Huge. us when we put the story out there, but we are actually wrestling with our own stories and continuously remembering. Mm. Like we're, we're bringing back to the forefront of our mind, oh yeah, you can do hard things. Remember? Because we're telling that story. And it's a whole separate conversation about just how important it is for everyone, the storyteller and the one receiving the story through all the platforms. TN writes, you're absolutely right. Music is one of those platforms. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I would argue that now that we're like been going through this for so much, I would argue that all art is just a way to depict a story and the reason why humans relate to art so heavily in such a deep level where they're like, this is the thing that matters to me. And this is my identity sometimes is because of stories in the intersection points of where can I relate to this? Even if it's not my exact story, where I feel I'm feeling the same points of empathy. Right. Or this is my story and I haven't been saying it, but this person's saying it. So they're my voice right now. And this means a lot to me for that. So I'm going to wear this shirt. I'm going to put this in my room or whatever it is. And that's awesome. I don't think we've ever like deep dive just on story, but it's Mm -hmm. perfect for a story coach, you know, to talk about that. (laughs) We've got the right room here for it. Yeah. I want to talk about this in a general way, but also like since we're talking story, hear your story on it too, where I, Love how you're speaking about, hey, I wrote my first book because I was experiencing gatekeepers. Mm. Now we're in a time of Mm self-publishing that is really common now and is actually really accepted. And and we don't look down upon a self-published book. And that's carried through with just about everything I'd say. If you look at, just like you were saying, podcast right now, this is the new radio. No one's telling you what we have to say or do on here. We're putting this out ourselves and however many people listen to this show, that's how successful it is. You can go and be a film director and go on Vimeo or YouTube or wherever and put your movie and however successful that movie is or how many people buy tickets to go see something or do whatever, support it. That's how successful it is. Same thing in music. There's still record labels, but you can be a Macklemore or you can be, I don't know, Russ, you can be a million people that are self-published, self-labeled. They have no label and they're making their living off of it. Same thing for publishing. Yeah. It's amazing, first of all. If you're out there, you're a creative listening to this. We live in the most amazing, incredible time to be a creative in all of human history. Even when you're dealing with the craziest, awful things in your day, I promise you, there have been people that have dealt with so much worse way in the past. We're, we're really lucky. With that, like, what, what did you deal with with gatekeepers? Because you were early in self-publishing. You were early with dealing some of the things. And then you were like, hey, I have to then bring this to people. And like, let's publish books. Everyone can publish. Let's go. What did you see from gatekeepers at that time? Yeah. And then what are you seeing in that shift now? And, and I guess that process. That's a great question. So it was only about five or six years ago that I made the shift. So, I mean, it's been recent that it's become as acceptable as it is. 
At that time, I had been seven full years exclusive in the traditional industry for children's writers. Been to all the conferences, all the workshops. I've had, I had agents critique me. You know, I would get so far with different publishers and then get the no. Or I had friends who would get a contract and then that publisher would sell out and that new publisher wouldn't take the contract. And there was just never like assurance that you would actually become a published author when you were picked up even. And then... Mm. Wow. Needed an agent. Like there were just all these things. And I remember being at a conference. I lived in Europe. So I was at a conference in Paris and there were agents there and we got to workshop our books anonymously, but they were read out loud and everyone was in the room. And my story was read out loud, Turkeles, Herculean Turkey chick. Okay. okay, okay. <laughs> and it was read out loud and the agents who were there really couldn't come up with a problem. Like the one agent made a comment about Oh, I, you know, it's too random that the turkey gets this itch because he's catastrophic in everything he does, right? So he gets this itch and the huge catastrophe results. And that was the worst he could come up with. And I was like, actually, itches are pretty random. They don't warn you before they come. Like there, there was actually nothing wrong, but she just was picking on something. And the whole time she was at this event, she just kept saying like, you know, I don't know why I do this. Like, why do I, why I'm so tired. I don't know why I'm here. But she said, you know what? It's good for you to see me in this mood because like during my work hours, I'm, selling my current client's work during after hours when I'm tired and I'm in bed, I'm going through my slush pile, making decisions about your work. So it's actually really good for you to see me in this mood. Cause this is the mood I'm in. Huh. And the other people in the room were defending my story. They didn't know it was mine, but different things she would say like turkeys don't fly. Well, wild turkeys do, but well, they absolutely do. It's amazing to watch. They're really, yeah, they, you look would know that, really they look stupid. <laughs> it is not attractive, but they can fly all the way to the top of a tree. And you're like, Whatever works, works, exactly. man. I can't fly. So if you, you know, if you got it. No. <laughs> they can fly, people. <laughs> they can. And so here she is, like, telling this room of people, like, oh, this is ridiculous. Turkeys don't fly. But my turkey, turkey leaves is a wild turkey. He flies. Hell and yeah. people were defending that. The point is that I walked away from it going, oh. Oh, oh, oh. Then she kept using my story as an example to the other authors for how to write a good quality book. Oh, wow. That, that was the other part of it. But she didn't choose to represent yeah. me, which by then I didn't want her to. But yeah, yeah. I walked away from that so disillusioned, like, oh my gosh, I've been here seven years. We always would say like the people who don't get published are the ones who quit submitting. And I don't think that's true. I think people have not been published at that time, like through that, that venue. But I also realized it had nothing to do with writing a good quality story. It had everything to do with catching that agent or editor at a good time of day, Mm. writing something that they had a personal connection to. She didn't care about wild turkeys. She knew nothing about them and she didn't want to. So she wasn't going to take the story that's actually about kids seeing that they are enough just the way they are. She didn't care about that because she didn't connect to the wild turkey. And so how am I going to get this story out there? And so I fell into... And let's be frank. She might not have cared about kids connecting at a deeper level. (laughs) It's crazy. That might be true. I hate to think that. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean... And they get jaded, right? They get jaded. They get tired. And some of that original like reason for getting into that line of work it's lost. That could be true for any of us, any of us. So I left that conference feeling pretty stumped. Like, okay, so my book was good enough to be the model book, but it's still not getting published. What do I do with this? And so I ended up feeling pretty ready to throw in the towel, except I'm a writer. Like I felt like God had made me to write. And then the world was keeping me from how, what I had been made to do. And then then maybe I'm not made to write. Like maybe all the things, all the imposter things and the self-doubt. And then I ended up joining a program for publishing adult nonfiction. It was the only course I could find on self-publishing. It kind of just kept coming up in ads. 
And I thought, I have no plan to write an adult nonfiction book, but maybe I can learn the process and then figure out how to do that for children. Nice. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, so I joined that program. I wrote my first book, Reclaiming Hope for Foster Adopt Families. It became a bestseller. I was immediately invited to be speaker at various events, and that has never ended. Like, it's totally pivoted everything because I, I didn't. Ooh. I don't know if I believed them that being an author actually does change things, <laughs> but it does. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then I went on to publish the books that everyone rejected. All of them are published and I get fan mail and parents writing to me and reviews in different places. And it's been so incredible to see how going around, you know, the tired, grumpy, jaded, full, busy people has removed the barrier to kids and adults getting access to my stories. Mm. And I get I get messages about how they've been impacted, especially when I have called Speranza's Sweater, and it's a foster adoption children's book that follows a little girl through her experience. And it gives that life experience for other foster kids to watch it and see someone else go through it. They get to resonate, but then friends and family or classmates get to read it and suddenly develop empathy and compassion because they're getting that life experience. Right, right. Reading the story enough to care about it. And I've gotten so much incredible feedback from that story. So initially I was kind of like covering my head while I was self-publishing because I had all these traditional friends and I still do. I still have a toe in. I'm just not submitting. But now I, I have a lot of pride around it because I think coming from the traditional industry, I have a really high value for quality work. Some of the the language can be that self-publishers reduce the quality of literature or we don't edit our work. Or we just put out trash or whatever. Like there were reasons there were gatekeepers. They'll say the same thing about music and they'll say Absolutely. the same thing about Absolutely. Say it about everything. And they're not wrong. It does allow people to put out junky work. Yeah, right? totally. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. my mission is to prove to them that that doesn't have to be the case. That is a person. But, I mean, traditional publishers have put out junky work. Harry Potter was not ready for the world when they published it. And when it began to take off, they actually pulled it back and re-edited it and worked on the story because they didn't expect it to take off. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. I have a friend with an original. Lots of errors. And it just, you know, it was a good story. The story elements were there, but like it needed work. And then it got the work. So the one we have today is not the original published version of it. Wow. Don't tell um, my wife. I know. Well, she, she go looking for the original and like, then you get this classic, like, Ooh, look what I have. But the point being, it's, it's, it's easy to label a whole group of people versus say, no, that was an individual publishing house's decision or that was an individual self-publisher's decision. My decision, my value when I work with people and for my own work is that it would be high quality and completely indistinguishable from other forms of literature out there, however they got there, right? Like it's not going to be, oh, that must be self-published because the art looks like crap or because it's unedited and the English is poor or whatever it is. Like, no, every book I stand behind We'll have that high quality. We'll have those elements that are considering how does it engage that child's brain? What are we giving to them as a life experience of right. resilience? Or even if it's just a quiet story, how are we supporting parents and getting their kids to fall asleep? Like, is this a good story to do that? Yeah. So that's, that's been my journey with the gatekeepers. I still appreciate them. They do a lot of good market research. They also still have a high sense of value and grateful that we can take what they're learning and integrate that into our own work and still be able to get our stories out there. Right. Yeah. Tons of things with that. And I always relate it back to music. So sorry, people out there in the uh, the crew that just hate that, but it's just, it's who I am. So it's like the way I like visualize things and say yeah. things. But like, when I think about what you're saying, it's like the same thing. I think of the process really where right now someone could pay $20 and they can distribute their song literally to every platform in the entire world. Anyone can listen to their song anywhere. That was never possible before where it's like, if you had a band 
literally yeah, label yeah. picked you because there yeah. was no Spotify or anything like there's a radio, it's radio and TV. Someone controlled those for people yeah. that we want to talk about it. We have like six companies that own everything in our country. It's like, you know, you don't have too many choices of like, who's going to say yay or nay to the mm-hmm. U. And a lot of those artists did start out like any other artists where like, they probably sucked at the time. They yeah. really, <laughs> most of them really weren't great still at that time, but they had a good songwriting like around and people yeah. knew that, but it's like, they, you have different things where it's like, yes, so many bands were amazing at the times where the gatekeepers were around, but how many people who were amazing never showed up ever? to be anyone that we know now because of that. And it's this, and you know, you have the flip situation. Now you have trash everywhere where like someone really didn't take the time to put anything into it at all. And it's all out there. And then it makes it harder for you as the self-publishing or the indie or whatever to swim in that because there's so much noise and you have to say, Hey, look at me, look at me. And now we have that, but then you get access to some of these people that really are amazing. And maybe they're right in the middle. And that's like the really interesting thing for me is like, they worked their tail off, but maybe they don't have quite all of the pieces that those gatekeepers have, right? But now they have a chance to get up far enough to say, hey, here I am. And maybe my song doesn't sound amazing. Or maybe there's some errors in my book, but like people love the story or they love my, my record, even though I recorded it in my bedroom or whatever. Now we get to hang out with the gatekeepers or maybe yeah. we're all set already yeah. at that point, but at least we're, we now have the chance to get yeah. more people at bat yeah. to do that. And the gatekeepers are still around and, the, and you're right. We can't be like straight up, like they're not a good thing because they, they're it's a gatekeeper because they're experienced. Mm-hmm. Like they're, yeah. they're there for a reason because they have done this for a long time and they do have a lot of experience and a lot of know-how and connections and ways to make art work. So we need them to be around, but I love that aspect that you're talking about. Yeah. And to add, add to that, I think it's important to say that you don't have to just be published or even have your music in one of those platforms to be heard, right? Mm-hmm. Like we can, that, that takes it to a level and it, and it is a path. But I think of people who are putting their stories out just on their blog or Insta stories or using mm-hmm. other ways because that's just where they want to be. And same with yeah. music. I've got, I've got a sweet pseudo daughter. I call her who on Instagram will regularly just sing. And she's got the most incredible voice and she could go do America's got talent or one of these things, but she's not, she's doing it from Instagram. And I think of yeah. all of the people that she gets to interact with, who get to go like, again, there's space for me. I don't have to be the most trained, talented, perfect vocalist to put my music out there. And sometimes that authenticity and even the mess of it is what people relate to. Oh, like, yes, absolutely. They will follow her and love her and adore her because she love is it. being brave. Because she's being brave and she's inviting people to her journey as she grows as an artist or just That's right. as someone who's trying to share her music. And so I love the conversation around how do we use these publishing platforms, but then to not let that limit the ways that you can still get your message, your music, your, your art, your writing out into the world, because there are yeah. so many ways, even if it's just conversation with your neighbor and you, you have an emotional interaction of some kind, right? An engagement and they walk away touched or you walk away touched. Like that's it. That's it can be both. that. It can be that simple. It, it doesn't have to be simple. anything more than that. Yeah. We don't have to go through our lives going like, I'm not impacting anyone because I haven't chosen to self-publish or to do this. Out. There's so many good reasons to do that. But it doesn't limit you right now where you are today to do something that impacts people through your creativity, through your life, through the things that you care about and are passionate about. Right. Yes. 
Love it. So we are closing in on the end, but there's one thing that I didn't get to to pick on with you that I wanted to. We probably can't hang out forever on it because I want to ask my questions at the end. But I love this idea that you made, and and I and I only saw this when I started going through your book list today. But this book that you made, the abundance of less. Yeah, I'd imagine that that's got to be a really popular book. I think that with this minimalist movement or like a lot of mm-hmm. concepts that me and my friends talk about all the time. And I keep seeing like a big clash with people that fundamentally don't feel that way. And like, sometimes we really can't get into like people who know me, like it takes a lot for me to actually like not be cool with people. It's just sometimes mm-hmm. like, I'm not, not cool with them. I just, I fundamentally think differently than you and that's okay. But like yeah. with that aspect, I would say that that's one of them where sometimes people want to give me gifts and that makes them feel good. And so I want them to be able to do that. And sometimes I just have to let them give me gifts and I really don't want it. You know what I mean? And I feel yeah. terrible. And I've tried communicating different ways and you're just like, but like they, they fundamentally for them, it feels I good. Know. And yeah. for you to have that, that means that you are getting that thing the way that they would receive it. For me, yeah. I fundamentally don't like things unless yeah. they are audio equipment because I'm a nerd <laughs> and I'll use it. You know what I mean? But like I will spend... in audio equipment, easy, right away. I'm not loaded, so I don't do that frequently. (laughs) I will do that with like, right away. But I will wear the same $50 pair of slip-on bands with the water coming in when it rains out for like five years because I just don't value those things. I value other things. And that's where people are, is they display what they value differently, especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to where does my money Mm -hmm. go to. But I love this concept that you went out and took a book and this experiment of it. Can you talk really quickly on the abundance of less in this year-long experience that you did? I think it's the coolest. I love that. It's so cool. Yeah. So with the abundance of less, I was one day just driving along and thinking, what can I do for the new year coming up? Like what could be, I don't like resolutions, but is there a challenge I could tackle? And immediately this idea came to mind of like, what if you didn't buy anything new for the whole year? And I thought, Ooh, that sounds like supernatural. Cause I wouldn't, I don't know that I would have thought that specifically for myself. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, well, what, what would that be like? And so that was the journey we set on, out on was, can we do a whole year living off the excess of Americans, like through thrift stores or through online forums? Whoa. We didn't yeah. have like Facebook marketplace then. I was one of the first Facebook groups actually to create a community of people giving and sharing things. There was nothing like it at the time. And, and it began to spread because Craigslist was a little bit sketchy. So I wanted a Facebook yeah. group. Yeah. So what I love about our experience is that it's still so human. There were times we made mistakes, right? There were times that we didn't make mistakes. We did what we wanted and then we gained from it. Like the community, the people that we got to meet as we exchanged what we had or took what someone else had in excess. And so I'm both happy and disappointed to report that you can live an entire year, probably a lifetime in America on the excess of other people. Absolutely. Um, especially especially <laughs> here. We buy so much stuff that you could 1 million percent you live your whole life on old things. It's not yeah. Thrift stores too. There were so many still sealed and packaged items in thrift stores. Yeah. Like a ridiculous amount of things that I could give kids for holidays brand new. And they didn't know that it was from a thrift store because that was, that was the situation. But not just that, but we also leaned into entre- like entrepreneurs. Like, okay, we're not going to buy new things. So who are, who are people out there that are making things? Like we can support that. It's not yeah, yeah. new in the commercial way, but it's someone that we can support who's got putting something out there. And we just prepared everyone. Hey, this year you're, it, there's a holiday, like you're getting used gifts from us or made yeah, a gift yeah. or re-gifted gifts. And then that fed into actually getting rid of the next year. Our goal was get rid of half our stuff. And it ended mm. up being like 
95% because we moved across the world. And that was wow. unexpected when we set it up. But I, How I guess- How good did that feel? Oh, so good. Because stuff right? for me is noise. And I talk yeah. about this in the book. Like for some people, stuff sound is- I will walk into a room and turn around and walk out of the room. Yes, yes. Unfortunately, you can see by my room right now, I've got a lot of noise because we are renovating all the time. So I have to keep shoving things into rooms that they're not supposed to be. Right. I, my own book holds me you. accountable. <laughs> I like pay more yeah. money to not have, to have less. I will pay more yeah. money to have less things so that I don't have to figure out anything for that thing. Like I want the least yeah. amount of decisions or things that interfere with my life inside yeah. a room. I just want to do the things <laughs> I don't yeah. want to, yeah. I don't, yeah. you know, it's just, I, I, yeah. I totally love that. I totally get it. Yeah. You know, and my, my approach to it too, was as like a normal everyday human, I'm not a hardcore minimalist. I'm not trying to live in a tiny house, but there are yeah. days yeah. where I'm like, that looks like, like a really nice place. Seems but I'm, cool. just, yeah. I'm just like an everyday American going, how can I do something? Right. Cause, cause we get, we get trapped by like, if I, if I do one thing, then I have to know all of the things and be really consistent. And I, that's fair. But what if we just started with something, one thing right in front of us. And yeah. so that's the book. It's just sort of like, Hey, if you're a normal person like me trying to go like, what can I do to make our world a better place, our country, a better place? Like, how can we, how can we do that? Here, here's how we did it. Messes and all. Yeah. That's such an interesting concept. I think I'll have to uh, try that sometime. It's interesting. And like I said, if you're out there and you're like, I get so much value when I buy this certain brand or something like that. It's not like there are things that bring value in different ways than like minimalism or like not buying new things. Sometimes like people save up and a brand means something to them and to buy yeah. the whatever pair of shoes or whatever just like makes their whole life. And then when they wear them, their confidence comes up and they're just like a different person. I'm not knocking on any of those things. But what I am saying is like, just be aware, like sometimes especially here in the US, we just have a lot of things that just kind of stir as a machine of making things happen. You know what I mean? Making us buy things and making us feel that we need to buy things when it really isn't the thing that we need then. You know, it's really easy for that to happen. And then you get it and you're like, it goes in a closet and then it goes and Marcy buys it used in a package. (laughs) (laughs) And gives it to Dave for his birthday because he loves it. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, let's go. You know. I love it. I love it. I'm going to have to check out that book. Cool. So unless you have like any other things, I'm sure that we could just hang out because I can just tell that we could, but I have like six questions that I ask at the end of the show. If you're cool with that, Marcy. Go for it. Yep. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Why do you wake up and do what you do every day versus any other thing that you could do Mm -hmm. when you wake up? It goes back to that impact piece earlier, knowing that I can elevate or broadcast or be that, that lighthouse lighter for other people, I think maybe because my own story felt so lonely and I had so much shame around it, various versions of my story, right? Yeah. The worthlessness that I grew up with, I so want other people to not have that. And so if I can be a voice in anyone's life to say, your story matters, like all of the mess matters because people relate to that. Like then that's what I want to be part of. I want to be part of bringing value to people and helping them see that for themselves. And so when I get on a conversation with someone and they say, oh my gosh, like you are helping my dream come true. I get chills <laughs> like, because to be part of something so powerful for someone else, so monumental is incredible. And I've been rejected a ton through all the traditional industry. So I was like, I know what it feels like to say, oh my gosh, someone's opening a door. Mm, That's why I wake up. I just want to keep opening doors for people. And if I can be a bridge, like being, laying down and being the bridge, whatever it can be. And then... Yeah. You know, I've wow. got people doing that for me too. Yep. 
Oh, so cool. I would argue that a lot of us, like I have this podcast where I speak out and you are a speaker, you're on TEDx and things like that, or however people are, are being out there. I would argue that I would find it hard to believe, I guess, that you would talk to any of them and any of them didn't have something that they felt they had to like fight against, which yeah. is why they're speaking not in a negative way, but just like you're saying, where you're like, I felt that way. And I'd want yeah. to pull out the sword and start slashing away that for other people. Cause I don't, I hated that. And I, I feel the same way where I feel like there were things that I could have known earlier or gates that weren't open or whatever that I don't want people to have to deal with. And I want them to be able to create when they're 10 years younger than when I was starting. And I yeah. want to beat the heck out of yeah. anything that's in front of them. And so yeah. I think that you'd find that in a lot of speakers or people that feel that they have to create or put something out there to convey something. There's probably something yep. that they, they're fighting, you know, in a good so much way. of it is ourselves. So much of it is our own, like the meaning that we assign to those events, which is the other TEDx talk. Like we're constantly, oh, this gate didn't open. Therefore, I must be not good enough. I must mm. be disqualified or worthless. And then we carry that into all of our next decisions or opportunities. Yeah. And so, so much of the work that I, I love to do with people because I need it is reframing those things and actually going like, is that message true? Or is this an opportunity to look into that and say, this is a detour that's got a purpose. It's actually taking me somewhere better. Or this person's rejection is really more about them than my work. And I just need to find where my work belongs and the people who are, who want it and are ready for it. Yeah. So that mindset stuff kind of surprises us. (laughs) The self-awareness, like you've communicated so much even in our conversation. And when we can have that self-awareness, we suddenly give ourselves permission to show up as we are. Mm. And there's less criticism and judgment and shame connected to that. When I say, yeah, you're a hammer and I'm a spoon. If I keep trying to be a hammer, I'm just going to be a banged up spoon. And I'm going to be really ineffective and depressed versus like, no man, I can champion you doing your work as a hammer. I'm going to go do mine as a spoon and stop judging both of us Mm, for doing different things, but having a purpose in the world. And so I'd say that's, that's another piece. Like how do we do that work for ourselves to understand who we are so we can give space to say, Oh, that's why I don't look like this person because I'm actually just wired differently and that's okay. Oh yeah. 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 I love that. We had a person that works with people in astrology essentially, but using that as an element of communication and same thing with tarot, they're using those as mediums of like different ways, once again, to visualize for people to communicate through tools of like, what is the thing that's messing with me? What is that? And it's cool because when they're talking, they're, they're communicating through those mediums. And for me, you know, visualizing different elements or, or ways of, you know, like, when I talk to Nick, who is on here, he, he always talks about me as like a, a fire. Like I'm like a very action-driven, like fiery thing. And then I have downfalls too with that and things that in my communication styles are, are ways that I'll make a decision that I'll, I'll act that way. But it also has you know downfalls and negatives of that type too. And, and that's what I like what we were saying, hammer and the spoon of like with every different person that they're wired a different way, they're going to communicate mm-hmm. and act a different way. And and we can all be that way. And it's just figuring yes. out who's in the room right now. Yes. Just so I'm aware yes. of that. So I don't do the wrong thing. You know, how, yes. how do I not take the negative fire and hit someone with that and then have them be like, yo, this guy is, I got to get out of here. You know, how can I be that <laughs> fire that's me where I'm like, this is yes. me, man. I'm, I'm me. I can't be anyone else but me. But how do I not take that and, and interact the wrong way with that piece of it that hits them the wrong way yes. if they're another type? That's a really important yeah. thing to say too. Yeah. Okay. Totally. Love it. 
what would be along the way, like, say, like, I'm sure you don't feel it's a mistake because it's probably shifted and created who you are, but like, what's something that you were like, Hey, five years ago, me, 10 years ago, me don't do this thing or like avoid this, like this really sucked. The most immediate thing that comes to mind is what it still goes back to the sense of worthlessness that I carried with me, the messages that I assigned to the things happening around me and what they meant about me. I, I walked as though everyone was a mirror reflecting mm. me and then feeling like I needed to then shift to, to appear better in their mirror. Mm. And Gary actually, who's been here with us kind of gave me that imagery of the mirror and the window. Cause there was a day where I said something like, Oh, I'm such a bad friend. I should have, I should have known that. And he's like, why that wasn't a mirror. That was a window. I'm letting you peek into my experience. And that Whoa. is just, I know, I know. So he said it to me once and now I say it everywhere I go because now Wow. It just did something really good in my brain because now when someone comes at me and they want to say like, this is your image. I'm like, Oh, thanks for letting me peek through your window. I get to see some of your life philosophy. Wow. And yeah. Some of it gives me compassion for you because that's so limiting. And then, and then the other part of me gets to say like, yeah, I don't think you're going to play on my playground. I'm going to let you play on your playground with your rules, but this right. is on my playground. We don't, we don't play that way. And so it's just, yeah. I just use two metaphors. I kind of mix them up, but I think that would be that. And I took that into my marriage relationship, which ended up having levels of abuse that have now, that's a whole thing. I'm not even know what to say about that, but, but I realized how I was training intimate partners and children and friends to treat me the way that I thought I deserved just because I was carrying around this message. And so I know this isn't like a logistical equation, like, Hey, if you're starting a business, don't do this. <laughs> but I get what I would say is it's been so impactful for me to be able to realize I hold value. It doesn't come from these perceived mirrors around me that I can show up with compassion to the windows that I'm getting opportunities to peek through. And suddenly that enables me to enter my work from a totally different place. I'm not looking for people to reflect my value back to mm. me. I'm just bringing, I'm just bringing it right. And I'm trying to speak into it. So if it's not, I wish I had a magical wand to just, or pixie dust to put that on everybody. Yeah. But even just thinking that way, if we could slow down long enough to say, gosh, this feeling I have right now, or this thought I have right now, is it true? Where is it coming from? Who says? I'm not good enough. Like who says that I'm worthless? Yeah. Who gets the right to say that versus looking through the windows of the people who show up in our lives? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's such a valid point. And what it really comes back to is like empathy and, and being able to understand where is someone else coming from? Where am I coming from? Yeah. And where are we like creating these images? Yeah. And totally like, like I did an episode on imposter syndrome and it's like, we create our own anticipation of what people think of us in the yeah, mind yeah. is like really rapid and like really aggressive. Like to some of us, like it's, it can be terrible. I know how it feels. Yeah. You know, I know how you can feel like this is, you know, what they think of me, this is it. And like you walk into them and like, you're saying like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was like this or whatever. And they're like, dude, we're not, we're on like different planets right now. Like I was sitting here having a sandwich and like, <laughs> I, I was chilling. I was thinking about like my cat and like what football team I want. And you're like, whatever you're thinking, like, I don't think any of that. I have no idea what you're and like that. It can be crazy. It can, it can, it can. Really ruin, ruin relationships. It can ruin. That is ultimately many times what keeps people from ever letting Absolutely. their art or creative out because their anticipation of what people do. Whereas like on all of this, the amazing thing, just to tie it all in about getting the gatekeepers out of the way and letting things hit the market. And what you're saying yeah. is like, let it hit the market. The market will tell you, let it hit people. Yeah. And people will tell you, you people will yeah. tell you yeah. if they don't like what you're doing, not all the time. And it sometimes yeah. it does damage for a while. So I understand be cognizant, but also the market, when you put out a song or a book, people will tell you if it's good or not. 
You know yeah. I mean, they're going to tell you, they're going to let you yeah. know. And that's amazing. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. advice, And it's important to be good to yourself, to allow yourself yep. to be that. And I love what you're saying about like, I hold value regardless of any of these things, because, you know, every person is their own thing because think about how impossible it is to even exist at all. And think about then again, how impossible it would ever be for any one human in the world to have ever gone in the same spaces, in the same cycles of history with the same influences, modern events. It's just impossible. It's mathematically impossible. And so you're uniquely you and you hold this little thumbprint, fingerprint that in history that can't be replicated, the snowflake. It's like it's amazing. It's just amazing. And so you need yeah. to value that and give yourself that win when you wake up and exist. That's right. You're doing your thing, right? And then we that get to interact good. with the, the feedback you mentioned. We get to interact with that so differently. Instead of it saying, oh my gosh, I'm a horrible author or I'm a horrible podcaster, or a horrible musician. We get to say, oh, my art wasn't right for that person. And yeah. that's okay. And so does that art exist? Can I direct them there? Or we can also see legitimate feedback. Like, oh yeah, yeah. man, I really wanted yeah. to get this message across. And this person is loving me by giving me this feedback, but it's still separate from my value. It's just how can I grow as a creative or how can I better target the right audience if the wrong audience thinks that they're my people and they're not versus like, well, I should throw in the towel because clearly I just am a horrible human. Yeah, I love that. So flip side, flip side to it. And they're kind of one and the same question, but usually we get different answers that way. What is the best idea you've ever had? Or you're like, this is the best thing ever. You should do this thing. It's awesome. The best idea I've ever had, like in my whole life. Yes, so. <laughs> the, oh man, I don't. <laughs> They're not fair questions. That's not what I'm. I'm not saying I'm a fair person here, Marcy. I'm just me, you know. <laughs> okay, okay. I know this is so good. I wow. I well, I, okay. So because I'm going to talk about the Change Maker Summit, and and Gary's here with us. I this yes. is one of Forgot the best ask. decisions. No, it's fine. One of the best decisions was investing in knowing myself better because you've heard some of my story already that how much of it was based on this idea that I was worthless and I didn't bring value and I taught people to treat me that way and I and I made so much space for it. And we were first coworkers where he would do trainings with us around Myers-Briggs and Clifton Strengths. And I thought I knew those things, but he would take it to such a depth that I began to follow up and be like, hey, Coach Gary, help me understand myself more here or help me understand my child. And it has completely transformed how I see myself, how I interact with everyone around me. And I have the healthiest relationships I've ever had in my life because I'm not looking for anyone to tell me who I am. I now have this model through which to see myself. I get to see my strengths. And so I get to like take those quirks and go, Oh, I just thought those were quirks because I'm a creative, but like, no, there's a space in the world where we need those. And then I get to also look at my models and say, these are my weak spaces. Who are the people around me that can partner and fill in some of those gaps for me? Cause we are better together. Yeah. So, Yep. So something like that, like hi, like Gary does at Purpose and Clarity Coaching and uses Myers-Briggs and some of those things to help people understand themselves. I think that's been one of the most unexpected, life-changing decisions I sort of accidentally fell into, but has changed everything. I mean, even my son, he's so different from me. And I would have been just like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and, yeah. and now that I can understand more about him through some of these models, I'm like, oh, it's just because in your model, these are your strengths and these are your weaknesses. And so I can, I can show up in a, in a really supportive way instead of just, you were talking about languages earlier. I don't have to just speak to him through my 
the way I see the world, I can actually have some understanding about how he sees it. And we can have a really healthy conversation and interaction because we've taken the time to get to know ourselves which has opened us up for getting to understand the people around us again. So yeah. long answer, but <laughs> no, good. that's one of them. Cool. Yeah. I love that. And so for people who are watching live, just because I, I did mean to ask Marcy a little bit more on this change makers piece that's been yeah. really impactful for people who are listening on podcasts. Unfortunately, this thing already happened. You missed it, but you can listen, you can check it out next year or whenever it's happening again. But people who are watching live, this is a thing that is going to be happening when? Yeah, so September 24th and 25th, two days of 20 plus speakers at the Changemaker Summit. And so okay. we're, they're incredible people. I, I could, I don't want to take all the time. Go to the website, changemakervirtual.com. Okay. The speakers and the topics are listed there, but they're basically other entrepreneurs, creative humans saying, hey, through these pillars of change and community and clarity, how can I? further myself and knowing who I am, how can I build authentic community? And then how do I take all of that and go actually make an impactful, positive change in the world around me? Awesome. And it's free. Like there's no reason not to go. It's such a, I, I know a handful of the speakers and I am so excited to hear them and they're bringing everything from logistics, like how to build an author brand to like, how do you use your Enneagram type to make better decisions? Like mm. the whole gamut of logistics and mindset stuff as creative coming together at this, at this summit. So changemakervirtual.com. Very cool. So for people who are watching live, I will put that in this Instagram live on IGTV. When it posts, I will put it in this Facebook post on my timelines or whatever. I'll throw it in the comments. So at least people leading up to that time, they have a shot if they want to go after yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. The link is in my bio as well on Instagram at Marcy Marie, a few different places. So definitely come. I'm one of the speakers. I guess I should say that. I'll be speaking on some of the brain story stuff. What does it look like to be a creative with that kind of understanding? So Word. Cool. What would be your superpower? Like, what is your actual superpower as a human being, Marcy, would you say? My actual superpower as a human being is <laughs> I've been told that I can bring a kind of rest and calm and peace to a space or to a person. Mm. And so I feel that from podcasting with you. No, totally. Yeah. That's exciting. Cause I feel really animated. I'm like, has that been peaceful? And really passive? No, <laughs> but, no. Well, I mean, that's, that's awesome that you can do both. No, I feel that. I definitely do. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So that, that really serves. I mean, that's good. I want to be that kind of person inside because of a lot of the, the tragedy, tragic things I've gone through, you know, I still deal with a level of turmoil, but I think I'm also learning what does it look like to live a life of peace in the midst of turmoil? We can't just live based on our circumstances. And so I don't know if that in itself is a superpower. It's definitely part of my journey, but I think bringing people together to create bridges and connection between others is something I'm always hearing what people need and what people offer and going, Oh, you two should get together or, Oh, this would be a really good fit. Yeah, because I just want to see people moving forward in the ways that they have felt stuck in before. Yeah. Have you ever read the book, The Go-Giver? Yes. Oh my You're gosh. So good. Yeah. I am. <laughs> we got Max here too. Hey, Max. <laughs> I know. He just said he's that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He just said that. He he popped in because he's the man and he'll pop in on my live stream yes. anyway. Awesome. And then he's just like, hey, that's one of my prior guests. And I said that it's only because <laughs> you're so damn cool, Max Share, that I Literally, I'm going to go through everyone on your show, dude, and just interview every person. Because I just <laughs> like, damn, Max is so damn cool. I like need that. You know what I mean? He, I is. Can't. <laughs> he is. I love that you guys have that connection. And thanks for popping in, Max. That's fun. Yeah, I yeah. love that conversation. And this one's been 
fun too. So good. Awesome. Birds of a feather. Okay. So we've got two more here and these progressively get easier. So no fear. <laughs> All right. What would be a, a resource or resources you'd recommend to the audience? Could be obviously books coming from a book background, could be books, podcasts, videos, movies, anything. What are some things that people should check out? Can be specific to the things that you do or just like you're mm-hmm. like, hey, I love this thing. It had an effect mm-hmm. on me. Yeah. I mean, go watch my TEDx talks. You can hear everything I said in great They're length. Good. The brain. Yeah. Thank you. They're really the clear. They're really stuff. concise. And they don't even take Thank that you. long to get a really strong point through. No. So, Thank like, you. Yep. And I'll just, I'll just say too, for the second one that's on trauma, I was going through some of the most painful, devastating, disorienting stuff. I had just started having panic attacks, never had had those lots of trauma symptoms. And then I had to get on this stage. And I think that's important to say, because it's easy to see someone on a platform like that and go, oh, this person has it all together. Look at the, the acclaim or the prestige of it. And it's important to know, no, I got up there 100% human having to talk about the very things I was still navigating and still trying to overcome in that season of life. And so if you go and enjoy it, just know that behind all of that is me going like, I need this for myself. I need to remember this every second of the way. So yeah, those are good. I love, I mentioned GaryBetterFutureCoaching.com. He's got some really great resources for self-understanding and development. The summit coming up, Changemaker Summit. Books I love. There's one called The Best Yes. And I think that's Lisa Turkers. She talks about choosing, yeah, getting to a place where you're not just saying yes or no to everything, but understanding that every yes comes with a no. And so how do we choose the very yeah. best yeses? And oh that's, been, that's yeah. been so pivotal for me and just making decisions and slowing down. Because as an Enneagram 9, as someone who loves to serve and help, as someone who was getting my value from all the people around me, like there mm. were a lot of yeses and I totally burned out. And now yeah. I want to say yes. purpose yeses. So the best yes is a good one. And then I think on my website, actually, I've got... So actually, I do have a book list there. So go to marcypc.com. Go to my about section. <laughs> There's all sorts of books that I recommend there. <laughs> yeah. If you're an um, author, uh, a favorite author book of mine is by Anne Lamont and it's Bird by Bird. She's just like this fringy human. There's no pretense. She's amazing. And she just kind of lays it out and has a really great, a lot of good visuals and her own journey. But she's been a prolific, successful writer. And it's, it's a good one. Bird by yeah. Bird. No, I love that. Yeah. Every yes has a no. And you know what? Like it took me like, I remember because like I started like really hitting self-help and like mindset stuff, like positive and like just things to grow. Right. Like I hit that stuff hard and like now I've gotten like a lot more specific with like, what, what book do I need at this time? But like initially it was just like, whatever I'm hearing people talk about, I want to just, I need to just sponge in stuff and just like, I need to like surround myself with this and go in a cloud of like people figuring their shit out, you know, quite frankly, and and growing and being like growth way. And so when I hit stuff like that, I remember initially like a lot of people talking about like this yes or no thing like every yes means a no. And I remember at that time, I just wasn't that busy. Just wasn't. Uh-huh. And it was like, I could say yes to everything. It just didn't mess up my life to just keep saying yes. And I'm sure that like, that was good at that time because I just yeah. took on a lot of projects. And like, I learned a lot about a lot of different genres of music or whatever I was working on at the time or people or opportunities or whatever. And that probably helped shape me. So I don't regret it. But now I remember having like a day where I was like an aha of like, I wasn't reading anything. I wasn't doing anything. I was just living my life. And I was like, what in God's name is my life right now? And it was because I was just like, yesing the shit out of everything. And just like with that, the yes comes no's. And I was saying no to things that were important for my health in all these different ways. And then I I was like, oh my God, this is what people were talking about in this book I read. Like, (laughs) 
<laughs> years ago or something like that. I was like, this is it right here. This is it. And it's just, it's funny because like you live through these different pieces of life and they mean different things to you at different yeah. times. So like, yes means no hundred percent, but then like, it's just like these things, they just mean things to us at different times. And it's, it's like a dose of what do you need right now at yeah. this time to have it. And that's, that's crazy. I, I just thought I about it when you said the yes, no thing. I remember that epiphany was strong for me. I was like, yeah. That's it. Okay. okay. Another follow-up resource. I'll end with this one is yes. Renee Brown has a five minute, six minute video on boundaries. Oh. And I, I could literally watch it every day and still have my, like change my life all over again every day. Cause cool. I just thought boundaries was a bad word. It meant walls. They're mean. And it's five minutes. She, she talks about that. Like when you say yes, and that is outside of your healthy boundary, you're actually not showing up your best self and you're going to yeah. live, you're going to do it from a place of resentment, which isn't fair to them, isn't fair to you. Yeah, and I was just like, yeah. oh, it's, it's not mean to put up boundaries. It's actually really nice. <laughs> like, it's like a better human for everybody. And so yeah, yeah, five yeah. minutes, just Google Renee Brown and boundaries. That video will pop up and it's oh, so cool. good. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm going to have, for people who are listening on podcast form, all of these links for the resources will be okay. in the show notes down below. And wakingupfromwork.com slash show notes. If you want to go to like the website and see, there'll be a post just for Marcy here. But on that last note would be what, where do people catch up with you? I know that you sent them to me to make my life way easier when I'm putting this together. Let's say I am walking or um, I'm not driving the car. But I'm doing something that like I could actually just check out that website right now. And I'm not checking out either for links and show notes. Do you want to just shout out like, where do people keep up with you? Where do they go yeah. check out? Marcy Pusey. Yeah. So marcypusey.com is kind of the umbrella for a lot of what I do. That will take you also to my press site, which is <laughs> Miramare, Miramare Ponte Press. It, it has a lot of meaning to me, but I realize no one can say it. <laughs> it's Italian. So that will lead you there. And Sounds then cool. I'm on Instagram at Marcy Marie. Those are probably the best places. I mean, I'm on Zen and Facebook and those places too, but I tend to hang out most on Instagram and doing the work that you see on my website. Very cool. Marcy, thank you for... Uh, we even went over an hour, so I stole more of your time. But thank you for hanging out on the podcast and talking through all the things that you're up to. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad that whatever that we, that we made it work, that the connection happens. Hey. And man, I, I love what you're doing. I love what you and Max are doing. I love how you're being that broadcaster and you're elevating people. I mean, you brought me to do that and share what I'm doing. And it's so powerful and needed and I can't do what you're doing. So thank you. You're doing it right now. This is what I do. <laughs> I don't have all the audio equipment. <laughs> the things I just have to talk and you organize it all. So oh, fair, fair enough. Let me have that. All right. Yeah. Get that. <laughs> all right. People, first of all, there've been like people hanging out on Instagram all tonight, people on Facebook all tonight. Like, thank you guys for listening to this show. Thank you for hanging out with us yeah. live. If you miss like some of this and you want to hear all of it, this will be on a full podcast in like four or five weeks because I'm building a little bit of a, a log to live my life, right? And so four or five weeks will be out as a podcast. You can listen to the whole thing. Obviously, we'll have this out with some of those links to some of the things that Marcy spoke on where she's going to be speaking at soon. And you can check out for the interim. Uh, if any of you want to hit me up or Marcy, I'm sure would be open to it to hit us up on anything that we talked yeah. about tonight. I love just chatting with people from the community. That's what makes it a community. And uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for watching the show. And thank you, Marcy, for being on the show so that we could have a show. <laughs> yeah. How's You're welcome. That? Thank you for having me. It was great. <laughs> cool. I'm going to end the live stream. See you later, people. Bye.